If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. This is in the New Living Translation. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we just ask you, Lord, to touch our hearts with it. God, help us to, Father, not just hear your word, but be able to respond to it. My prayer now is, God, let me decrease so you can increase. And I give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As they put the title on the screen, if you would say this with me, in the last days. Paul is speaking to Timothy about what would happen in the last days. Now, theologians believe that the question becomes, when is the last days? Most scholars believe that the last days began when Jesus entered the earth and that they will end when he comes back for the church. The question becomes then what part of the last days are we in? So I think it's important to note that when he starts this letter to Timothy, he starts it out with a phrase. And the phrase is that this know also, this is from the King James Version 3 and 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. So the key to understanding what he's saying is looking at the beginning of what he's saying, that in perilous times shall come. The word perilous here is a Greek word that means difficult, dangerous, and furious. It's found only one other time in the New Testament. It's in Matthew 8 and 28 when Jesus is talking about a man that, or two men that had demons, and they were so fierce that no one could pass by them. And so the word is fierce there, dangerous, difficult, furious. So it almost seems to imply that what Paul is relating to Timothy is going to be brought on by a demonic force. He says, in the last days, perilous times. Everybody say times. The word times there, before I tell you what it is, let me tell you what it isn't. It's not chronos. In other words, it's not the Greek word that stands for chronological order. It's not a day following another. That's not what Paul is speaking of. The word here in the Greek is kairos. It means seasons. 
So think of it this way, that what Paul is saying, that there are going to be seasons when we experience these things. Everybody say seasons. So if you think about the time that Paul is in, Paul is in a season where they're experiencing this. You remember what Nero's doing. He's dipping Christians in wax and using them for human torches. And so Paul is writing Timothy about that time. But yet now here we are long after this, and yet we're in another season of that time. Everybody say season. Now, the unique thing is that when Paul starts this, he said, this know also. In other words, what Paul is doing, Paul is saying, there's something I want you to know, Timothy. There's something that I, I want you to get. And see, we need to know, why does Paul want Timothy to know it? Because if we don't know the season we're in, we can't prepare for it. It's the same reason that Jesus want his, wanted his disciples to know. If you go to St. John 16 and 1, Jesus makes a statement to his disciples and he says, I have told you these things. Now, to find out what things he told them, you have to read in the 15th chapter. And he told them that if they hate you, remember they hated me first. He says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. How many of you know when you're prepared for something, you're able to deal with it a lot better? You ever have somebody just show up at your house unexpected, unannounced? Did you ever run and hide? Just let them keep knocking on the door? My parents did that. I had, they're all past. I can talk about them now. No, <laughs> my, my, my mom and dad, they, the, uh, well, am I, that, we had, I won't tell who it was, but we had a relative show up and they were knocking on the door and they made us hide. We were kids and they made us hide. And uh, then they thought that they left, but one of, the, one of their kids was peeking through the window and, and the gig was up. Somebody saw us. And so they, they came to the door and they opened the door and they, as they were coming, oh, hey, how you doing? Come on in. And one of, one of my brothers, I think it was, said, we was hiding from you. <laughs> oh, unprepared. It's kind of like, you know, my wife's got a solution for that. If anybody knocks on the door in the morning, Debbie takes off running to the bedroom and yells, get the door. Get, get the door. And I said, I said, baby, I'm not ready. Well, I don't, I can't get the door. I, I don't have my face on. I said, I ain't got my face on either. <laughs> but I'm left to get the door. I got the door. I was unprepared. This guy came knocking on the door. This has been years ago. I was working third shift. This guy came knocking on the door early in the morning, man. I'm staggering out of bed, go and answer the door. It's probably about eight o'clock in the morning. I hadn't been in bed that long. And I, I opened the door up. And when I opened the door up, man, his eyes got about that big. And he looked at me and he said, uh, we're putting on cable. Do you want it? I said, no, sir, I don't want cable. I, thank you. 
No, I didn't. I just, but I shut the door and I, I got to thinking, I thought, man, why did he give me that weird look? When, and, and as I was walking by back to the bedroom, there was a big mirror in the living room. And I looked over at the living room mirror and man, my hair was like this. And that's when I had more of it. My hair was stuck up all over the place. And I thought, no wonder he got shock treatment. Unprepared. See, we like to prepare and we want to make sure that the house is in order. That's what Paul is trying to do for Timothy. He wants him to be prepared for what's coming. Everybody say, for that season. Now, Paul begins to describe this season. Listen to what he says. People will love only themselves and their money. Does that sound like that might be the same season we're in? Where all of a sudden now it's all, you know, it, it always amazed me how people can be so heartless. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm talking about scams where they come in with the elderly, especially like after this hurricane that happened in Florida. One of the big things that they're going to have to be careful for now because it happens after each one of them. There'll be supposedly contractors come in They'll target mostly elderly people and say, look, we'll, put, we'll do your roof for X amount of money, but I, I need, I need the, some money up front, so I need you to pay me this up front. And they'll collect all this money up front, and they take off and skip town, and they never see them again. There's no, no love for their fellow man. It's all about themselves and money. Everybody say money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God. I remember when God used to be respected. I remember when we as a nation valued God, and as a Christian, you were considered a good neighbor. But now if you talk about God, people ridicule you. They try and run you down. They, there is a target placed on your back, and the attack begins. Scoffing at God. He's telling Timothy, you need to get ready for this because things aren't going to be the way they've always been in the past. Now there's a season that's coming that's going to change things. Disobedient to parents. Boy, I, I, if you've ever been in a public place and heard some of the conversation between children and their parents. It's not only those children being disobedient to parents, but the way those parents talk, you can rest assured that they were disobedient to their parents as well because it becomes a generational thing. It's just getting passed from one to the other. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful. Have you ever dealt with someone that was ungrateful? Doesn't that just make you want to love them? You know, just put a squeeze on them. <laughs> no. when, when, when you do something for somebody and they show appreciation for it, it makes you want to do more for them, right? Like when we were, our, our uh, granddaughter, she'll, when we buy her something, she'll always, oh, thank you, Nana. It's what? I love it so much. It's so beautiful. And she knows that that's going to keep it coming. <laughs> But if she would be looking at it and going, oh, I don't, I, you know, I don't want, like that. I don't want that. And it would be, it would shut it off. 
ungrateful. Listen to what this says. They will consider nothing sacred. I don't watch current television programs because nothing's sacred. Everything, anything to do with God, they twist it or turn it. What happened to shows like Andy Griffith or Leave It to Beaver? Things where at least there was, there was a family value that was taught. Now there's no family value taught and, and nothing sacred anymore. It's all ridiculed and made fun of. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. Have you ever seen society like it is right now? I mean, it used to be that when there was murder, there was a method. There was a, there was a reason for the murder, but not now. People are just being shot and stabbed on the streets where there's no connection to them at all. There's, there's nothing behind it. There's, there, there's no reason for it. It's just random killings. And Paul is telling Timothy, you need to know that the season, what's going on in the season you're in. They will betray friends, be reckless, puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Now watch this. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Let me read it one more time. They will act religious. The phrase religious there, it would, let me read it this way. They will act or they will have an appearance of the gospel, but they will deny or reject the dunamis, the miraculous power that could make them holy. Something has happened in the season we're in that's crept into the church. And instead of the church standing up and declaring a God that's powerful enough to change your lifestyle, now churches are adapting their, their, their services to embrace your lifestyle. Can I tell you that when I got saved, I wasn't looking for a place that would embrace the mess I was already in. I, I was looking for somebody that could tell me how to get out of the mess that I was in. I needed someone to tell me that there's a God that's bigger than the chains that are holding me. Everybody say, a bigger God, a better God, a powerful God. And Paul says, stay away from people like that. Well, pastor, what are you getting at? I'm, I'm telling you that we need to know the season we're in. So this is what I'm saying to you today, that you need to know this also. This isn't the only thing that is going to happen in the last days. What I read to you out of the book of Timothy is not the only thing that's going to happen in the last days. For the word declared, in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. What are you saying? God is letting us know, yes, there is a season coming when all this is going to break loose. But you need to recognize and understand that that's not going to stop my people. That I've called a people by name. 
that I've equipped them. I've empowered them for such a time as this. That this is a day for us to stand up and declare that he's God. He's able. He's able to break every bond. He's able to loose every chain. We've got to stir up the gift that God has placed inside of us. He's made an investment and God does not make bad investments. In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Do you catch that? Did you catch that? We read that and a lot of times we miss what he said. Upon all flesh. The NLT says upon all people. He's saying that I'm going to pour out my spirit on Jews and Gentiles. Peter is declaring the words of Joel. And Peter doesn't even have a clue what he's saying. Did you ever have that happen to you before? God all of a sudden gives something to you and it goes right through and you completely missed what he was saying. It's like a conduit, like we talked about last week. It's just flowing through you. And a lot of times, I've had people come up to me after a service and say, could you tell me again what you said? <laughs> Go watch it on the video, man, because I don't have a clue. It's just like a conduit. It just, it just goes through. And sometimes we miss it, and that's what happened with Peter. See, you've got to get this. Peter is declaring in Acts 2 that the Spirit is going to be poured out on Jew and Gentile, but he doesn't understand what he's saying because come Acts 10, when he's getting ready to go to Cornelius' house, when he was on that rooftop, he's saying, nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And when he gets to Cornelius' house and he finds out that Cornelius saw an angel, he's wrestling with the fact that, man, he's a, he's a Gentile. Let me put it to you in terms that we can understand. Not only can Cardinal fans be saved, but so can Cub fans. So, so what are you getting at? I'm getting at it's not about who you are or where you came from or what side of the tracks you're on. It's about who he is, where he are. Oh, come on, somebody hear what I'm saying. He's a God that's big enough to reach out and free you no matter where you came from, no matter what your life story is, no matter what you faced. He, my friend, is God. And beside him, there is none other. Power. Somebody say power. So this is, this is what he's saying. He said, I, I'm going to pour out my spirit. How many of you have ever tasted something that tasted so good it made you wobbly? You know what I'm talking about? You, you, you put something in your mouth, and all of a sudden when you taste it, you go, oh. <laughs> well. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like all of a sudden, man, I, sometimes I've watched Debbie taste something and watch her eyes roll back in her head. Oh. Yeah, she, oh, and she, oh you, you need to taste this. But she checks to see how much there is of it first. Because you ain't getting it if it's not enough. I got some good news for you. <laughs> He's more than enough. He's got enough for you. He's got enough for me. There's no shortage on his spirit. He is a supply that will not run dry. And the scripture said, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. So when you've tasted something and you like it, I mean really like it, you want to share it, right? You, you, you need to want, so here, how many of you have tasted the Lord? Wave, wave your hands right now if you've had a taste of him. I mean, if you can tell me from a personal experience that God is good. Well, come on, wave that hand, wave that hand up. That God is good. Some of you look like you're not so sure. So my, my, my response to that is, go back and have another taste. <laughs> go, back, go back and try it again. Because you can't never tell. It could have been the first taste you got was a little polluted. What do you mean by that? The Bible said that we have received this gift in earthen vessels so that God gets all the glory. Let me explain to you what that means. How many of you have ever had glass? I mean, how many of you have ever had glass? <laughs> how many of you have ever had water out of a glass? Ice water in a glass? How many of you have ever had it out of a bottle, plastic bottle? Water out of How many of you have ever had water out of a tin can? I have. They vended. And I got to tell you, I didn't like it. Because what it did is it picked up a little bit of flavor of the container it was in. This gift has been in earthen vessels. What's God saying? God's saying this the way I'm getting this to you is through each other. And so every once in a while, the earthen vessel can get in the way. And it can take a little bit of the taste of who you are. And I love y'all, but I don't want to taste you. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want the gift. I, I, want the, I want to get to the fountain or the spout where the glory comes out. I, I want to get a direct line to God. I, I want something that's so pure and so real. Have you ever had Coke from Mexico? Wave your hand if you've ever had Coke. And I see you're, you're thinking, I'm, I'm telling you, Coke in Mexico tastes better than it does here. I don't know what it is they claim I don't I don't know what's going on I know it's supposed to be the same thing either I'm hotter when I'm over there but it tastes better there Jason probably never had a coke in Mexico I took him to Mexico one time he's drinking that cow dry every every night we'd go in he drank a half a gallon of milk you think I'm messing with you he was drinking he was I, I looked at him I thought where is he putting that stuff but he, he thought it was good. He wasn't sharing it either. He didn't offer me any of his milk. <laughs> I'm telling you that God has got a supply that will not run out. So if, if you, wait one more time, if you've tasted him and you think he's good. Real loud on three. One, two, three. Okay, okay. Who are you telling about him? Because if he's good, you need to share it. I mean, if something's good, you need to share it. Let me, sh let, let me tell you how Jesus feels about that, what God intended. You see, Jesus didn't come just to save us. Jesus came to equip us. If you look at Matthew 5 and 13, I'm going to read this. I, I, I don't often go to the message, but because of the way the message captures this verse, I want to read this out of the message. Let me tell you why you're here. This is Jesus speaking. Let me tell you why you're here. That'd get your attention, wouldn't it? Let me tell you why you're here. 
You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. What's he saying? He's saying, look, you've got a, a mission. You've got a purpose. God wants you to share with others how good he is. But if you've lost your ability to bring out the flavor of God to people, if you've lost your joy and you've lost your desire, then you're not going to get anybody else excited about God. I mean, if I walk down to you and I, I, I come up to you and I say, hey, sure do wish you'd come to church with me on Sunday. I'll go down there to that church, you know, that church down on the street. You probably like it. I'll be there 830. I'm not going. <laughs> what are you saying? Because if you're not excited about it, why would I get excited about it? If you don't, if it, it's got, everybody say, get some salt on it. So, salt, mm, it's powerful. Everybody say it's powerful. Let me, let me talk to you about what salt will do. Salt will preserve. Everybody say preserve. Remember what Paul says to Timothy. He said that they'll have a form of godliness. They'll have a form of the gospel, but they'll deny the power thereof. And God is saying, don't deny my power. Jesus said, you are salt. Salt is powerful. Salt preserves. Paul makes a statement, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. What's he saying? Paul's saying he can preserve me. He can preserve what I give to him. He's a powerful force. Salt brings flavor. How many of you have ever had popcorn with no salt on it? Horrible stuff. It's like eating an egg. Job talked about it. Job talked about how important salt is. Job talked about trying to eat egg whites that got no seasoning on it. You ever put an egg white in your mouth that doesn't have anything on it? Just want to spit it right out. It's like, man, what is that? Just something rubbery rolling around in my mouth. But you, you add some salt to it, and man, you all of a sudden, your whole face changes. And instead of spitting it out, you go, ooh, this is good stuff. And do you know as much as we like things to be flavorful, God likes it even more? In the book of Leviticus, the second chapter, God refuses any sacrifice that doesn't have salt on it first. What's he saying? Don't offer me something that don't have some flavor. Well, what's that got to do with us? How many of you understand that our praise and our worship is the sacrifice that we render unto God now? It says, I offer him a sacrifice of praise. So what God is saying, don't you bring me some praise that don't taste good. Don't get up in here and raise your hands. Go, oh, praise God, everybody. You just love the Lord. You, you get some flavor in your praise. You get, well, what do you mean get flavor? Get your heart where he's at. Get your head, let me say it this way, get your head where his heart is. Get some flavor and begin, when you begin to praise God, you ought not care about who's standing around you. Oh, look out. I had a, late my brother came to preach revival for us years ago. And there was this one, and my brother, you know, I, I've talked about him. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But Paul, when, when Paul got happy, Paul sounded like a freight train. 
getting ready to leave the station. And so Paul, whoo, whoo, whoo. And, and so this lady had invited someone to listen to him speak. And she says to me, I hope your brother doesn't, you know, take off on that. You know, she didn't want the train to leave the station. <laughs> That's the problem is sometimes the train ain't going nowhere. But let me tell you, this train's bound for glory. I got my mind made up. I'm not sitting in my pew. I'm going to worship God. I never forget, there was a guy that was at the... uh, I was preaching revival in Austin, Texas, and there was a doctor, a very dignified, you know, doctor in our in that congregation. And the pastor made sure I knew about this doctor that was just new to his congregation because he was afraid my train was going to leave the station. And all of a sudden, man, in the middle of that message, I turned around and that doctor was crawling across the floor. He looked up at me and he said, I'm falling and I can't get up. And he just started laid down and started laughing. Do you understand what we're trying to keep people from are the very thing that people are hungry for. They want something that will change their life. They want to feel the reality of a God that's ever present. Everybody say, put some salt on it. Colossians 4 and 6 said, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you, may know, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. What's he saying? He's saying when you're talking to somebody, don't beat them down. Lift them up. Pour a little salt on it. Mike was singing that song that, about God's love coming in to our nation. See, what Paul is talking to Timothy about has got nothing to do with God. It's a spirit of antichrist it's a spirit of man that's trying to destroy things but then when peter speaks and says in the last days i will pour god says i will pour out my spirit on all flesh god is saying i'm going to counter the attack i'm going to give you something that's more powerful than what's trying to drag you down i'm going to cause you to be able to raise your hands lift your faith and know that i'm there for you let your words always be with grace seasoned with salt everybody say powerful salt is powerful how many of you have ever poured salt into an open wound powerful a nickel for your thoughts powerful I I thought about how the, the, the power that Paul says people are going to try and deny God is powerful. We need to let him be powerful. How many of you have ever had the devil come slithering into your life like a slug, trying to rob you of all your hope and all your joy? Years ago when I was single, I was living in a house all alone. I thought I was all alone until I got up one night and went walking through my kitchen And as I walked through my kitchen, I stepped on a slug. And that thing, if you've never experienced that, thank God. That thing was so wide, man, it got like all my toes, and it just, oh, man, and I'm like, oh, 
trying to get a rag and wipe it off. I turn the light on and I see him, you know, smiling. And he left, listen, he had left a track where he had been and just slimed himself all over my kitchen floor. Devil's just like that, man. He comes in uninvited. He leaves a trail everywhere he goes, and he tries to rob you of your joy and get you so upset. What'd you do, pastor? I went and looked for a girl with a little umbrella, and I got me some salt, and I started pouring some salt on him, and I watched that slug go, ah, help me, I'm melting. He just, man, he didn't really say that but that thing just started turning into a puddle of ooze you know what you need to do the next time the devil tries to slither into your life stand up and begin to praise God pour some salt on it begin to shout from the top of your voice let God know that you love him let the world know that you love him we go to ball games and we'll stand up and we'll shout from the top of our voice for our team and we'll come to church and sit quietly and act like we've lost our mind if somebody gets excited acting like that the night the night you know all of a sudden now we're all prim and proper praise the lord the night before you weren't prim and proper the night before at the ball game you were ah, the wave the wave Standing, somebody shouted. Come on, somebody stand up right now and give Jesus a wave. Give Jesus a wave. Let him know you love him. Let him know that you worship him. Here's the problem. Until we get to the place that we're as willing to be bold for God as we are for a ball team, we're not going to get any salt on it. But the moment we begin to let our worship declare God's goodness, it's going to change the landscape everybody say I need a change so this is what this is what the scripture says it's Matthew 5 14 message here's another way to put it you're here hey run and get me a bowl please you're here thank you quicker <laughs> in Matthew 5 and 14 Here's another way to put it. That's part of the scripture. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Thank you. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Somebody shout it with me, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. The King James Version put it this way, let your light so shine before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Everybody say, let it shine. This little light of mine. All right. God has called us to be salt and light. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 4, 1. I can't impress this on you too strongly. God is looking over your shoulder 
Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone living and dead. He's about to break into the open with his rule. So proclaim the message with intensity. Keep on your watch, challenge, warn, and urge your people. Don't ever quit. Just keep it simple. Everybody say salt and light. You say, how's that possible? Well, what's not possible with man is possible with God. Everybody say it with me, salt and light. This is what God is saying. I need you to be flavorful. I need you to be able to reflect to others my goodness. And I need you to show them the way. I need you to shine as a light on a hill. So if you would stand with me. Here's my question for you today. You may be here and you may be able to connect with what Paul was telling Timothy. That you recognize the season that we're in in the world with this culture and how nothing is sacred and God is scoffed at and friendships are betrayed. You may be very familiar with that. And if that's all you're familiar with, then you're going to feel lost and alone. Paul's trying to prepare Timothy like we prepare for winter. If I can't tell the season I'm in, I'm going to pay dearly for it. Seed is wonderful. and Seed has life in it. But if I'm trying to plant corn in the dead of winter, I'm wasting my seed because I'm not recognizing my season. God has a season for you. You may only be experiencing the season that Paul is telling Timothy about, but there's another season that belongs to you. It's a season that God has promised in the last days. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Well, you don't understand what I've done upon all flesh. You don't know where I've been upon all flesh. You don't understand how evil and how rotten and there's nobody in here that is so bad that God can't save them. And there's nobody in here that's so good that you don't need to be saved. So this, this is what I want to do right now. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor, I don't want to miss my season. If you're in here and you, you, and you haven't experienced him, you've never claimed him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come to the front of this building now and we're going to pray and believe with you. And you, I, I know people say, don't make me go up there. That's embarrassing. I got to go up there and stand in front of a p- bunch of people that love me and care about me. <laughs> well, if you can't come up here and stand in front of people that love and care about you, how are you going to be able to stand for them out there where they're trying to chew you up and spit you out? 
So if you're here and you haven't said yes to him, I want you to come and say yes today. If you're here and you have said yes, but your salt is getting a little grainy, you need some more flavor in it. People say, oh, don't use salt. It'll increase the blood pressure. <laughs> as long as that's his blood, I'll take the pressure. I've, I've seen those diets where people do what's called no salt, and they're not kidding. It's like putting sand on your popcorn. Grainy, gritty, but no flavor. God wants to bring flavor to your life. God's made an investment in you, and God doesn't make bad investments. So if you're in this place today and you're ready to say, Pastor, I, I want God to use me in this hour. I, I know all this stuff is going on around me, but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on Him. And He's already told me that He's equipped me to pour it on. Everybody say it with me, pour it on. So they sing this song right now. If you're here, you either need to be saved, you want to come and accept Him, come up right now. Or if you're here and you're saying, I want God to use me, I want my salt in my life to intensify. I want God to use me to help bring others to a saving knowledge of who He is. Would you come right now, very quickly, as they sing this song? Remember, this is a revival. about this for a second at school we used to have what they called Bunsen burners does anybody remember what those were Bunsen burners and and man they would light up as long as there was something in it but if the if, if the alcohol left that was in that burner then the wick is just burning and smoldering and it's not giving light anymore. This is all about making sure that I'm filled up so that I don't run out, so that my light continues to shine. This is about making sure that I'm going back to get my salt regenerated, to be able to make sure that it doesn't lose its flavor, but it stays intense and it stays powerful. So as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, I want you to just, if you would, kind of raise your, tilt your hands this way, if you would. So what you're saying is, God, I'm ready to receive it from you. Are you ready for it? As they sing this song right now, I need some ushers to give me a hand here. As they sing this song right now, would you just stretch your hands to heaven with me?
no way to know how that's going to impact you. Some people cry, others laugh. Some feel like electricity go through them, and some just completely fall under the presence of God. Some dance. I've done a little bit of dancing myself. So I can't believe that. I, well, I danced before I gave my life to God. You think I'm going to stop since I've done it? Amen. I've got a different partner is the only change. That's right. So what I'm saying is this, is the Bible said that no man can see God and live. So when he touches you, something's going to happen. You're going to feel something on the inside. Sometimes it's so overwhelming that it just sweeps you off your feet. I'm not concerned about how the, manifest, how, how the manifestation comes. I just want you to know the one who manifests it. His name is Jesus. So before you leave this place today, look, some of us are different. I mean, we all have, that's what makes the family of God so unique and so special, 
is we all have different characters. We, my wife is very loving. If I came running up to you like this, you'd probably take off running the other direction. But my, my wife is, is, is very loving. And so, however God has formed you and made you, He's done that for His purpose and His plan. All I'm asking you to do is yield yourself into His hands. Let Him shine through you. Let your speech bring grace and salt to people's lives that cause them to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. We love you in here today. You know, uh, let me leave you with this thought. Run up here real quick. If, if, I'm, if, I'm, if you leave this place today and you've got your spouse with you and you walk up to someone and you go, I'd like you to meet my wife. She's the lady standing back there. She's not going to like that. She says, no, I'm not. But isn't, sometimes that's what we do to God. We engage people, but we never introduce them to the one that changed our life. We keep him in the background. But what if I bring her up close to me and I say, I'd love you for my lovely wife. Her name is Debbie. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. And today we're celebrating 41 years of marriage. I've, I've decided to keep her. <laughs> no choice. Aren't you glad that God loves us? Did you ever think about how God does when he... I always told people, I said, if God's got a refrigerator, your picture's on it. Because <laughs> God loves us. He cares for us. He cares for you, Cody. He's got a plan for your life. And don't let the devil talk you out of that. Know that you're special and unique. And he's going to continue to draw you close to him. You just continue to step forward. I told people in the last service, I said, the first time I got an encounter with God, I went into a church and I thought they were all nuts. Really. And then I became one. <laughs> I had an encounter with God that changed my life forever. It wasn't about what somebody else told me about him. At that point, it became about him and me because he's a personal God and he wants to touch you in a very personal way. Look, we love you today. God loves you. And I'm not going to say and have a great rest of your day. No. I, I almost slipped. But what I'm saying is this, is walk, walk with God and let him use you. Please hear what I'm saying. We are in a unique season. Throughout history, we've seen in this nation two great awakenings. Remember, I talk about, he said, perilous times, seasons. So there have been seasons of danger and seasons of difficulty, but those seasons were always accompanied with an awakening. This nation experienced the first awakening in the 1700s. The second awakening was in the 1800s. I believe that we are in the throes of the third great awakening. 
So just do this. Would you do, do this to yourself and say, God, wake me up. Just wake me up and live inside me. We love you, man. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, don't forget the meeting in the conference room. You've got time to get a coffee. I'll be in there in about 10 minutes.